You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Uh, we are a live radio show, a call-in show, which means call-in implies yes. I want to hear from you, and you can easily reach me. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, and call me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Uh, you can also just log on to us here at Pet Life Radio, and you can just type in your question if you're shy, or as I've gotten a couple of emails we're going to share with you on this show and the next week's show, you can just send me an email to Dr. Jeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com or drjeff at drjeff.com. Either way, I will get your questions and do my best to answer them. My thing, my bag, my love is dog and cat. However, I uh, am sort of tinkering in this profession for a mere 30 years. I have enough wonderful colleagues. So if you have a question about an exotic or some unusual animal, or in one case I was asked a question about an egg-laying chicken, I will get the answer for you, even if I don't know it offhand. So go ahead and send me anything you want. And uh, anyway, it's uh, great being here with you, and I love talking pets, and that's why this is such a great opportunity for me. I'll be actually, the next couple of weeks I am leaving, I've been invited to speak, which is really, really cool, uh, two conferences in Europe, and it just so happens a week apart from each other. So it's none of these going back and forth. I get to go to London, speaking at the London Vet Forum. And then we'll uh, have a, I'll have a few days in between, and then it's off, so we're going to go to Italy, and then off to Barcelona for the Southern European Veterinary Conference. And boy, do they have me busy. I'm going to be speaking, uh, I think, five sessions, five hours in Barcelona in the management section. And on the London Vet Forum, I think it's me and one other doc, and that's it. So that's pretty cool. And uh, so um, I will be hopefully seeing what veterinary medicine is like in other parts of the world. I can imagine that London is going to be very similar to the U.S. because I have, you know, going through training, I have met a number of English and Irish veterinarians. Actually, one of my former associates was educated in Scotland. And I said, why Scotland? And interestingly, she did not get into the vet school of her choice here in the States, which was the least expensive for her. It was her own state school. So instead of going to some other schools that she did get into, which were private and much more expensive, she said it actually saved her, including trips back and forth to the U.S., about ten to $12,000 a year by going to school in Scotland. And uh, that's, that's can't argue with that. The education there is amazing, and um, their schools are accredited in the U.S. So uh, I think that was a, a pretty smart move, and just to you know, give an opportunity to go to school in a foreign land, so to speak, and a foreign land that, unless the they speak extremely extremely quickly, you can actually understand the professors. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. So yesterday I taped a piece here at my office. 
And we were doing a segment for plastic surgery for pets. That seems, you know, a lot of times I have an opportunity to pitch our local media or some national shows kind of about what's up and coming. I mean, for example, you can imagine that this time of year, I'm doing a lot of pitching for the holidays, holiday hazards, you know, starting with Halloween, going into Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, just all the potential opportunities that our pets have to get themselves into trouble whether it's food, whether it's decorations, whether it's candy. And I get so upset when they eat all that chocolate and they don't save any for me. That's when I, I'm telling my relationship with those pets, that's it. If they don't save me any of that great chocolate, I'm a chocoholic. But one of the uh, segments I pitch, and it seems to really get a lot of attention, is the plastic surgery piece. So I had a dog from one of the rescues. It was a chow chow, and chows are notorious for having this problem with their eyes called entropion. We've talked about it before, where the eyelids sort of roll inward and they start rubbing against the eyeball itself, causing a lot of irritation, a lot of discomfort, a lot of ocular discharge, ocular redness. I mean, it is really sad. And what's so sad about it is it is so easily correctable. In fact, you know what I'm going to do is I took some pictures and I'm going to show some pre, before and after pictures. Dog's name is Rosie. And they could not adopt her out until this was fixed. So on the one hand, I'm trying to get the surgery done because I want to adopt out. The other hand, I want to take advantage of this because I've been getting so much interest in this whole concept of plastic slash reconstructive surgery for pets. I needed to wait for a camera crew. So uh, we kept her very comfortable and uh, we did the surgery yesterday. I'm telling you, she looks great. It's amazing. In one day, you could see the difference in this dog. I mean, she is, I mean, she was a, a really sweet chow chow anyway. I know that sort of uh, doesn't make sense to a lot of you that have had, that have dealt with chow chows. To use the word sweet and chow chow is rarely in the same sentence. But this dog right now is so sweet. That's how I think uncomfortable her eyes were. So uh, anyway, I'll, I'll get you some before. We're going to post them at the website here at Pet Life Radio, the before and after pictures on my show under Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And it's about Rosie the Chow Chow. So anyway, we, I want to share with you a, uh, an email. And it is, interestingly, it's regarding a Sharpay, which I mean, it's like a, a close first cousin with, as far as problems with the Chow Chow. Sharpay is, by the way, another breed that typically has a lot of problems with entropion, with another problem we often have to correct called skinfold pyodermas. Those are infections deep within the skinfolds. And of course, Sharpays are notorious for the skinfolds. So we see a lot of Sharpays. So anyway, we have a four-year-old Sharpay mix. He always had a problem keeping down the food he eats. We moderate the amount and speed that he eats. And at least once to twice a week, he throws up the entire meal. He is underweight and we have taken him to the vet regularly since we've had him. They gave us a special food to mix him with his regular food to help him gain some weight. Do you have any suggestions or tips? Well, this is from Adam. And does Adam tell us where he's from? No, he doesn't. But Adam, just to share some ideas with you. First of all, when it's infrequent like this, I believe there is some sort of inflammatory condition going on. And the reason I I say this is vomiting once or twice a week, even if it's the entire meal, is not going to lead to weight loss. It's just not. That's like us skipping a meal twice a week. Trust me, we'd love it to cause weight loss, but that by itself is not going to do it. So there is something else going on here. And one of my concerns is some sort of inflammatory condition going on with this dog. Uh, And another thing it can be, believe it or not, is food allergy. Now, typically, dogs that are food allergic will rub at their face will get ear infections, scratch at their ears, and often chew on their feet. So if, if you have a dog 
that is just going at their feet nonstop or rubbing their face on the carpet or along a wall or scratching at their ears a lot or getting persistent ear infections, one of the things you need to put on your list of possibilities is food allergy. But also, dogs that seem to just vomit out of the blue or with a, on a regular basis where there's some schedule, some consistency, again, you have to think of food allergy. So that's, uh, again, something to consider. So I would uh, do a few things. So number one is you want to work with your veterinarian about a food elimination diet. But truly, if this has been going on a while already, I do believe that if every, assuming everything else is normal, assuming the blood test is normal, x-rays, palpation, everything else seems okay, I think that your dog might be a good candidate for a scope and biopsy. And one of the areas that needs to be looked at is the pylorus. The pylorus is what we call the gastric outflow tract. That's where food comes in via the esophagus, goes through the cardia of the stomach, aptly named because it's around where the area of the heart is, and that's where the esophagus goes into the stomach. Then you go into the stomach itself and out of the outflow tract as the stomach proceeds, the ingester proceeds into the small bowel, the small intestine, and we call that the pylorus. And if there is a pyloric stenosis, and that is a narrowing of the pylorus, and this is something that could be determined via a scope, then there are some things that can be done to relieve that obstruction. Another thing that the internist would do who does this study, or your veterinarian, if your veterinarian has an endoscope, is to take samples of the stomach, random samples inside the stomach, and that's looking for some sort of inflammatory condition. We call it an infiltrative disease, whether we're looking at eosinophilic gastritis, lymphocytic plasmacytic gastritis. These are the inflammations of the stomach, thus the word gastritis, itis meaning inflammation, and its cell type often indicates what the cause might be, and this is something that is definitely treatable. So I think that if this is once or twice, never happened again, I'd say, you know what, he ate something, leave it alone, not to panic. By the fact that this is going on for a while, the dog is four and is losing weight, there is something going on and it needs to be discovered. We need to determine what is going on. So those would be my recommendations. If this were a newer problem and early on in the game, all else being equal, you could start with the food elimination diet first and see how that goes. And if that works, then great. You're, you save yourself a lot of money. Didn't have to put the dog through uh, any uh, anesthesia or procedures. But uh, given the fact that there's, it's been going on long enough that there's persistent weight loss, I am concerned. Other things that might help, some probiotics, maybe some softer food. But you know, when it comes to pyloric stenosis, I would just do it right. And the right way to do it is the scope and the biopsy. So uh, uh, also, make sure that there's obviously nothing else that this dog, I mean, simply that the dog is chewing on as far as toys, rawhide bones, anything that might be missing. You know, some dogs have an affinity for certain things, and it could be as simple as a particular treat that uh, he or she is chewing on. In this case, it's a he. So uh, just for completeness sake. But anyway, Adam, if you have any questions specifically and you uh, would like to ask, you can go ahead and uh, send them to me directly at drjeff at drjeff.com or drjeff at petliferadio.com. Or if you get up the courage and you want to follow up with us, give us a call. 
And, uh, you know, that's easier said than done, but not, not easy. That is as easy as it is to do, and that is at 877-385-8882. We would love to hear from you, take your call, share it with our listeners. And, um, you know, interestingly, what most people don't realize is that you think you're the only one with this question, this problem, doubtful, really doubtful. Most of the things that we encounter in practice I like to make the differentiation between the horse and the zebra. Those of you that have been listening know I often refer to this distinction, and that is my little saying, my little riddle. If you are running along the beach in Malibu and you hear hoofbeats chasing you from behind, what are you thinking, horses or zebras? And of course, the answer is horses. So many of the problems that you're having on a day-to-day basis with your pets, they are fairly common, and we've seen them hundreds of times before, thousands of times before, and these, the solutions are fairly straightforward. Occasionally, we're going to fa- be faced with what I like to call the zebra, which is that very unusual case. In fact, it was funny. I had, um, I'm working a case up right now with my favorite internist in town. So he had called me, and he saw something very, very bizarre on his ultrasound. So he's describing it to me, and I said, I said, so Dave, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going on? He goes, Jeff, how do you think I know? I think I've seen this twice in my 20-plus years. He had no idea. And when a GP sent a case to a specialist, in this case an internal medicine specialist, and stumps that specialist, you got to know you're dealing with a very, very challenging case. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. I want you to thanks for listening to us here at Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, uh, of course, ProSense Pet Products. Uh, you can get them at your local retailers like Walmart. And go on walmart.com. They'll give you some great coupons to buy some ProSense products. And we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back to Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. I am your host for this half hour. Half of it gone already at uh, uh, Ask the Vets with me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You know, I know there are a lot of you out there. We can tell from emails. We, can, we know our listenership. And I am so amazed that there are so many of you that are afraid to pick up the phone and share with us your questions, your comments, your concerns with your pets. I know you wouldn't be listening to us here on our station if you didn't have some issues with your pets and you wanted more information. What better way to get information when it's free? I sound like that commercial for the uh, the mattress store. It's free, Larry, it's free. So yeah, come on and uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you or while I'm here talking to you live, live at four o'clock Eastern, one o'clock Pacific time, you can send me a quick little note at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and we will answer you live. So uh, we talked about the plastic surgery. Again, I want to thank our sponsors. I don't think I do it enough, ProSense Pet Products and the great retailers that carry their products. And I tell you, we're in a lot of places and actually look pretty soon. Look for our new logos. We have new packaging, and it's really, really sharp looking. It's really cool. So um, and we basically, I'm trying to bring veterinary quality products to you, the consumer, at mass market pricing. So some of the products that we have, you can only get either at these through this line through ProSense Pet or at your veterinarian, probably a little bit more expensive than the, uh, than the uh, ProSense products you're going to find at the retailer. So, you know, help yourself go in if you need anything. And by the way, I should, I should reiterate and Adam who sent us that email. In fact, Adam, you need to contact us again because we want to get information from you. But those of you who contact us via note message here live on the show, via email, or best yet, a phone call to 877-385-8882, we will send you some free product here from ProSense Pet Products. So um, you can't beat that. Free Free is good. We like free. So while you guys are getting the courage to talk to me, live, and I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty approachable, I'm pretty easy. I wanted to uh, share with you some of the questions I get on a regular basis. And this one actually came or is coming from one of my employees. And basically, she had rescued a, a pit bull, one of the, we work with two, well, we work with about a dozen rescue groups, but two of them seem to specialize in pit bulls. So they are, as we all know, any one of you listening who has a pit bull or a pit bull cross, whether it's an American bull, a pit bull, whatever, will understand how great these dogs are. But this question is coming from one of my employees about how to deal with a pit bull or really any dog that wants, it's perfect with people, but wants to literally tear the head off of any other dog that it sees and what can be done. So the best thing to do is this. First of all, when it comes to training, we call it behavior modification. We are trying to accomplish two things. Number one, we want to desensitize the dog to whatever the stimulus is. And not only, we don't want to stop there. We don't want to just desensitize. We actually want to counter condition. We want to take that stimulus, in this case, another dog. 
which right now is stimulating a, an aggression, aggressive behavior from the dog. And we want to turn that into something fun, something positive, something where this nasty, aggressive dog, instead of wanting to kill this other dog, it wants to play with this other dog. So, sounds pretty good. Well, first of all, it can be done. Uh, it's not easy. Anytime we're dealing with behavior modification, you have to take baby steps. It's, they're small steps and all centered around positive reward. Now, one of the good things about a pit bull is that any of us that have them know how much they, first of all, love you, but most of them actually love people. And as a matter of fact, it saddens me that they've gotten to bad rap because back in the day when dog fighting was, you know, it sounds so scary to say, was considered a gentlemanly sport. This is back in the United Kingdom in the 1800s, that these dogs were bred to fight each other. As a matter of fact, that in the fight, in the ring, so to say, or in the pit, there was actually always a person, if you were, if you will, you can probably call him like the referee, the umpire. And if any dog ever exhibited any signs of aggression to that person, those dogs were taken out and they were killed. So aggressive behavior towards people was absolutely not tolerated within the breed. So therefore, you can imagine why it upsets so many of us when we hear these stories about these pit bulls running on you know, loose and attacking people. This is not their nature. Their nature is actually they love people. Now, wanting to fight other dogs? Oh, absolutely. Having jaws that can clamp down and don't let go? That's the pit bull. But not showing signs of aggression towards people. So one of the things you want to do is in most behaviors that we see in dogs, objectionable behaviors, good behaviors, there seems to be a threshold beyond which, longer than which, the dog doesn't seem to care. So let's say, for example, with this particular dog, the threshold is three blocks. In other words, if there's a dog over three blocks away, your dog is fine. And yet, if you go to two blocks away, oh my God, the dog is now pulling on the leash, the hair, the hackles are coming up, the ears are going back, he's taking that stance, you know he wants after that dog. So our job is to, first of all, identify what that threshold is. When you see that threshold, all right, then what you can do is you can start backing off and get your dog's attention, ask your dog to sit, do something to earn a reward. You never want to give a reward just for the heck of it. And then when he's a good dog and he sits, you give him a treat. And now here's the key. You could see, make a comment like, oh, look at that, a friend. There's a friend. Good boy. And give him a treat. And now walk away. Opposite direction. Make the first right turn, the left turn, down a different street. Don't get any closer than that threshold. But now what you're doing is you're starting to set the tone that this other animal three blocks away is good and is going to be giving a treat, getting a treat because of that other dog. So what you do is every day you're out on your walk, you are going to wait an extra 10, 15 feet before you say to your dog, oh my God, look at that, a friend. And you are actually going to go looking, place walk where you're going to see other dogs, but at beginning at a distance. And then as you get closer and closer, you're always going to go through the same routine. The goal is that you want your dog not only to want to attack another dog, but actually wants to play, look for other dogs. So hold on a second. Is that Adam? Are you on the line? Yeah, this is Adam. Hey, Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So I'm just curious. Did you have any of these things I talked about answered yet? Was it a biopsy? Was a scoping done? Did you try a, a food elimination diet, a trial where you eliminate all of the common antigens from the food for your Sharpay? 
Um, we did. I haven't been living with him for that long. It's been about a year, and I uh-huh. know the owners, they did try a whole bunch of things, and it still happens with him. I know we, we have him on a special diet, special food that he eats right now. All right, did so no one did a, a anesthetize him and did the scope and got some biopsy samples and looked at the pylorus? No, I, they, did, they did do that. They did do that, and what did that show? Did that show normal? Yeah, it showed normal. That's unusual. That it's not going to be a, a mechanical obstruction, meaning the pyloric problem. It's not going to be an inflammatory obstruction, meaning inflammatory bowel disease, inflammatory gastritis. And the vomiting doesn't bother me as much as the weight loss. Because if, as you said, if, if there's vomiting every now and again and everything else is perfect, we look at it as something he ate, maybe a little bit of a food allergy. But it would be unusual to have weight loss. That tells me that something's been gone for way too long and we're not getting resolved. Has anyone tried like a, a, a course of steroids? Um, I'm not sure. I have to look into that. It's, yeah, not, I would, it's I would, not that he's losing any more weight. He just Okay. Uh, so right now he's just not he just, gaining. He's not gaining. He just looks really not overly thin, but you can see like his ribs and he eats food. And as soon as he's done, sometimes the entire meal comes out on the floor in one blob. Now, let me ask another question then. And this is kind of a weird one. And I hate to be graphic for all our listeners out there. But when he does that, does he kind of just open his mouth and out it comes? Or does he go through the whole heaving process before the vomits, before the food comes up? It usually is about uh, 10 seconds. You might hear one or two noises, and, and that's sometimes it. you hear nothing, and okay. you'll see a pile on the floor. Let me give you one other thing to think about, and that is a condition called megaesophagus. And it's something you might want to have checked out as well. It can be done a number of ways. First of all, sometimes you're lucky enough to, to come up with a pretty good diagnosis simply on x-ray. Otherwise, we do what's called a barium swallow. And if there is megaesophagus then that ingesta, that barium, sits there almost like, a, like a, a sack. The esophagus is so stretched out that there's a sack, and that's where the food sits. And usually dogs that regurgitate as opposed to vomit, one of the things we think about is megaesophagus. Regurgitation is where they will just kind of open their mouth, and it's just there, and that's what happens. It just comes up. And then sometimes with megaesophagus, there's a problem where there is a condition that is called myasthenia gravis, and many dogs with myasthenia do have megaesophagus. So that's something that should be looked at as well. So you might want to talk to your veterinarian and see if any of those things or the prior owner may have had a chance to work with that as well to see. Okay? Okay. Okay. So um, anyway, I, yeah, please, and make sure you leave your information because uh, we'll get you out some product. Okay? Okay. Yep. Sounds All right. Great. That'd be great. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Adam. Thanks for uh, calling in. So, um, All right. Thank well, you. You're very welcome. So uh, our time is up here for the show. We're going to finish this whole story. This is very important on the the training of how to get these dogs to actually, possibly, hopefully, like other dogs. So um, we are going to sign off. Our time is up. It goes so fast. But I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products. You can get uh, my stuff at, at your local Walmart or Target. And we will be here next week to talk more about pets. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.